friend. Welcome to the U-Turn podcast. This is a show that's meant to help you remember who you truly are. I'm Ashley Stahl, a career expert, the author of the new book, U-Turn, Get Unstuck, Discover Your Direction, and Design Your Dream Career. It's now available everywhere books are sold. And it's my honor to bring you guest conversations or even a solo episode with me every single week, all designed to help you elevate your confidence in work, in love, and in life. This is a place for you to reconnect to who you truly are, what you truly want, and to really heal from anything that is telling you that you are otherwise. Wherever you are, I am so grateful to be here in your ears. And I also want to give a shout out with so much thanks to our sponsor, Organifi. You can find them over at Organifi.com slash U-Turn. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash Y-O-U-T-U-R-N. And when you use the U-Turn checkout code, you get 20% off your order. They make the most magical elixirs, whether it's powders for you to get your greens on every day, really tasty, clean protein powders to add into your diet. I have them every single morning. Probiotic powders to help you really heal and strengthen your immune system. So much more. Now let's get in to this week's conversation. Confident people are encouraging and helpful. Okay. Encourage, foster, and celebrate the success of others. Do you know what I mean? Some some more qualities. They're dependable, you know, usually on time. They're comfortable with failures and mistakes. They approach challenging situations as something to be conquered and mastered, not something to be feared, you know, or avoided. Um, they are constantly learning. You know, they're they're compassionate and loving towards people. They're nice. Confident people are nice. We uh, confident people don't feel like they need to prove themselves to anyone. You know, and that's why I really talk about this because you got to help, and, and women really need to. This is women need to get pro women, you know, too much of these Beverly housewife shows with everyone, you know, canceling and, you know, each other and, you know, all this strife and drama and a lot of it's manufactured. This is not how it should be. We need to help other women succeed and be pro women. And so if you're not one of them or you're hanging out with those type of bees, you need to rethink your tribe. Hey, U-Turn friends, it's Ash here. And I know so many of you count on the mindset category to give you that kind of quick fix every month on how you can see the world differently. And that's why I wanted to bring Elle Russ onto the show. She's the author of Confident as Fuck and the best-selling book, The Paleo Thyroid Solution. It's helped thousands of people around the world reclaim their health. And today, I want to talk to her about how you can build your self-confidence even more so because I know that that piece of your mindset is so critical to your own health. She's also a TV and film writer and the host of two podcasts, the Primal Blueprint podcast, which I was just on for the U-Turn book, and the Kick-Ass Life podcast. You can learn more about her at lrest.com. L, thank you so much for making the time to be here with me. Oh, thanks so much. I'm excited for the conversation that's going to come out on our podcast too, because we had such a good conversation. And for Ashley's audience, uh, the first time I spoke to her was when I interviewed her and I was immediately like, oh yeah, that's my kind of girl right there. <laughs> you know, I, I think I remember that day we were both very relieved that it wasn't going to be a video interview so we could stay in our pajamas, which seems <laughs> right. very much where the world is at. 
Well, so tell me what, okay, so there's, there's not, I wouldn't say there's a gap, but kind of between confident as fuck and the paleo thyroid solution. So Mm -hmm. I would love to understand like what inspired you to write about paleo thyroid solution? What's your story there? And then what brought you into your next book around confidence? So real long story short, but I initially came to Los Angeles to pursue acting and all this stuff. And of course, at the time, especially like, you know, 20 years ago, you had to be looking like an athlete to be a leading lady, which was my category. And so I knew what I had to do. And I was like, all right, I got to get fit. And I was doing it all the wrong ways. I didn't know this till later. And I ended up really kind of giving myself sort of a hypoglycemic sort of eating disorder slash issues. I wasn't satiated. I had food obsessions. I was really struggling and sacrificing. And I thought, well, I guess maybe everyone else is doing this way because I am. I did get the body this way, but my God, I'm suffering on the inside. Like, are other people having these problems or is it, you know what I mean? And I just didn't know what was going on. Long story short, I got hypothyroidism and I got really, really fat, which happens with a lot of patients. And so then all of a sudden I was like, Great. Well, now I can't be the leading lady. I guess I'll have to just be the fat, funny friend. I'm not kidding. I really, this was my thought process. And I was like, all right, well, I'll go back into sketch comedy, which was my initial foray into acting. And so I did. But one thing leads to another, and sketch comedy turned me into a writer. And then I started to expand that and went along the road. I ended up, the reason I wrote The Paleothyroid Solution is because I became an expert because I was ditched and left in the dust by over two dozen endocrinologists and experts in Los Angeles. Los Angeles, a city with great doctors, okay? I went to like celebrities who wrote books on hormones. I went to their doctors. No one knew what they were doing. And I actually had to do it myself. I had to be my own fucking doctor. Are you kidding me? Like who, what, you know, I went to Harvard docs, this, I went to the best and nobody knew because 99% of the doctors are uninformed and still steeped in 40 year old outdated protocols from like 1973 about how to treat the thyroid. And so I ended up doing it myself and it was a total accident that I wrote a book on it because it was never my intention to be a health author or any of this kind of stuff. Um, they say, you know, your test is your testimony and all that kind of business. And it's true. So what happened was, is I, people all over the world, I'd be hiking in Hawaii and someone on the trail would just like mention their, sorry, there's a helicopter in the background. Someone would mention their thyroid problem. And next thing you know, I'm talking to them about, oh, well, this is what you should do. This is what you get tested. And this kept happening. And people were like, you know, you should write a book. And I was like, yeah, whatever, someday. And then I met Mark Sisson, the famous New York Times bestselling author, owner of Primal Kitchen and author of The Primal Blueprint, which really revolutionized health uh, many years ago and became sort of the grandfather of the paleo primal movement. And so then I became a primal health coach. I noticed the connections between paleo and thyroid. I still take thyroid hormone to this day and it saved my life. And, you know, thank God for that. And now I coach people all over the world with it and also work with their doctors and work with them individually um, because it's the same everywhere as it is in Australia to South America with the thyroid fuckery. So that was an accidental thing. You know, I was a creative comedy writer who was writing film and TV. Like this was not, you know, something, but I will say this, I was compelled to write it. And when you are compelled to do something, you got to do it. You got to follow that. And I'm really glad I did. And so that kind of put me on the map there. And then um, getting into confidence, uh, people were like, wow, you know, you were a health author here. Now you're writing about this because it's something that people have been coming to me for years. I'm sure everyone out there has a skill or has some kind of character trait that people admire that they come to you for advice for. And my whole life has been spent with people calling me up because they either need that pep talk or they need to figure out how to stand up to the bully, you know, or the, the mom at the PTA meeting, right. Or, or try to get the raise from their boss or, you know what I mean? It's always those calls. And so 
I say that and it sounds a little like, oh, I'm standing on the Oracle at Delphi and like preaching. But here's what I discovered is that those people who were less confident, let's say, and needed to learn how to speak up or gain confidence also had traits and qualities that highly confident people need because there are pitfalls like being freaking vulnerable, like being diplomatic. A lot of uh, quieter or less confident people, they may not speak up as much, but when they do, it's often thoughtful and they're more diplomatic about it. Whereas highly confident people are like, just, you know, it's what I call like, be careful on the send, right? You know, you're, you're quick to jump to an email or a text, simmer on it, <laughs> take a minute, right? You know what I mean? Sleep on that sucker. And so I started to learn that these people also were more accessible. They were more vulnerable. And, um, these are the pitfalls of alpha females. You're, you're one of them too. And it probably was one of your pitfalls is that we don't want to show any kind of weakness at all because we think it's just like the worst thing in the world. And it makes us inaccessible, meaning people want to be us. They want to hang out with us. They want, if they have a problem, they're going to call an alpha, but they also kind of can't get to us because we're not sharing and being on the level with, as they are with their vulnerability about their lives. And it's not to say you have to share everything and wear your heart on your sleeve, but I, I know you probably have something to say about that, Ashley, because you are an alpha and, you know, I, I would guarantee that you've had to kind of cross over into some of these forays and, and go deep in there and try to, you know. And so what I argue in Confident as Fuck is that being vulnerable is, I mean, it's not the whole theme of the book, but part of it is being vulnerable is the most confident as fuck as you can get because it's the ultimate in not giving a shit about what other people think of you. And guess what? It's also human, right? We're human beings. We have legit emotions, right? And so it's not weak. You know, the other thing is that you can be confident, be on a stage, you can talk to people, have a podcast, but then are you really confident? Cause that's just performance confidence. And anybody can actually really attain that as a skill. That is, that is like hitting me right in the heart, honestly, L, because I feel like, um, especially as a keynote speaker before COVID, I was booked on so many stages. And one thing that I feel like I'm pretty forthright about, but people wouldn't know when I walk on stage is that the amount of practice that I've done allows me a false sense of confidence because I am regurgitating something that I've practiced really, really hard. And I think that comes from me masking a lot of fear, you know, like really getting on stage in this unshakable way where it's like, I don't need to practice this much. I'm good as I am. I can trust myself. So that's been something that I'm working on. And I think there is a lot of performative confidence where people can step into these personas or act a certain way so that they can give off this false sense of confidence. How do you help somebody listening right now notice if they're doing that? If they're doing what? Like have a false sense of confidence? Yeah. Well, it's because you get off stage, but then like you can't speak up and talk to your freaking neighbor about something or like, you know, you can't yeah. go ask for what you want in life. So, or you get off the stage and you feel like you're an imposter or something. I mean, there are so many people that have our, a perfect example of my book is a guy named John who is a spear fisherman. By the way, this is one of the most craziest sports. You have to be fearless. You're going five miles out into the ocean. You're wrangling a sea creature. You're diving down, right, with sharks. You're wrangling like a 150-pound sea creature to the surface. Like this takes a extraordinary level of confidence in your abilities. Just because you have confidence in your ability doesn't make you confident as fuck. Because again, this guy also was 
an anesthesiologist. Wow, a lot of confidence, right? He had no shortage of confidence in spearfishing and also in sticking a needle in someone's spine, right? Or someone's neck. That takes a lot of confidence. You can have confidence in your abilities and still not have high self-esteem and confidence on the inside, right? So this guy appears very confident. He's tall, he's good looking, he knows it, he's in shape, and he's an anesthesiologist badass, and he's a spear fisherman, yet he cannot literally talk to his neighbor about a dumb thing because his neighbor wants to clean his house and he's worried the stuff's going to get on his house and he's like, I don't know what to say to him. Like that kind of stuff. You're like, or he can't speak up in relationships. That's not confidence. So again, don't judge confidence by the outward persona or someone's job or title, right? Because again, that's just confidence in an ability in something, not necessarily inner confidence, which is more important. Some of the quietest people in the room are the most confident fucking people in the room because they're sitting there just observing. They don't care if anyone's talking to them. They're not shy. They're not afraid. They're just enjoying their own company and, you know, observing the crowd. I want everyone to walk into every place like they own it. And that's not cocky. That doesn't mean you walk into a party because you're trying to prove yourself. It means I walk into every place like I own the motherfucker. And I say that because I walk into a place like, I don't care if people know my resume. I don't care if they even ask me a question. I might learn something from someone. I might, I'm not there because I care what you think of me. I'm just there to observe and enjoy any interactions I may have. And I'm feeling comfortable in my own mind, my own body and skin. I want that for everyone. That's not a lot of people. And I want to say this about, there's a really interesting quote about shyness that really hit me. It's by a, someone named Andre Debus. And the quote is, Shyness has a strange element of narcissism, this belief that how we look, how we perform is truly important to other people. So if you're out there and you're shy, think about that for a minute, because there is a sense of this sort of self-aggrandizing sort of caring, you know, like, oh, everyone's going to care. Like, really? No one actually really does care. Only you do. You know what I mean? And all you have is you, right? The other thing I want to share is that confidence is not a fixed anchored quality. So like your levels of confidence are always the sum of the thoughts you think and the actions you take. It's not reflective of your actual capacity to succeed at something. It's more reflective of your belief in your ability to prevail at life in general or a specific endeavor, if that makes sense. So since you can change your thoughts and actions, confidence and self-esteem is totally within your power, even the most shy, crippled people by fear can attain it through, you know, self-awareness, intention, practice. I have a friend who didn't have a, I have a friend who's now 50. They didn't have a friend until they were 35 years old because they were debilitatingly shy. Couldn't even talk to like a star, a Starbucks barista. So shy, crippled, crippled. You would never know it to this day. They are the most outgoing fucking person you've ever met in your life. But you know what it took for them? They were at ground zero. And if you're at ground zero with confidence, then you might need to hire a social coach who can take you out to a mall or take you somewhere and and, and help you start conversations with people that work you know, at establishments because they're obviously going to be nice, right? Because they're an employee somewhere. And you might have to do that. And that's what he did. Most people aren't at ground zero. They just need more. Like, you know, they might be confident. They're a PhD. They might be confident in what they know, but they're not confident in to put themselves out there. And you know this, this is a self, like this is a world of sales. If you are not out there pushing your stuff, if you're an artist, no one's coming to your house to go, oh, I hear there's a painter that lives here. What paintings do you have available? You have to be a self-promoter. And that's the same for any job interview. Like, what are you going to say when they're like, what are your top five qualities? Like you are going to have to speak highly of yourself, right? So self-confidence is needed for everything. Like you, from the bedroom to the boardroom, you ain't going to get what you want in life unless you have it. And that involves speaking up. And it doesn't mean you have to become a public speaker or be an extrovert at all. 
but it does mean you're going to have to take these moments and, and, and take them by the, the reins and really, you know, do something about it. And, you know, confidence provides an evolutionary edge because in going back to primal paleo or ancestral living, I mean, back in the day, you know, we not only needed a tribe, you know, of people, but we also didn't want to get, you know, shunned by the, by the tribe, right? But basically confidence, it, it helps us navigate new challenges, new tasks, and new social situations without pause, without fear, right? And thus it propels us in the direction of accomplishing our goals and realizing our dreams. So again, it provides you an evolution. That's why people want it. That's why people admire people with confidence. That's why it's also the most authentic, confident people are the most authentic because if they're truly confident, so not the bitch at work, who's a jerk to everybody, that's not confidence. That's just misuse of confidence by being a bully. And that's not truly confidence That's insecurity, but it's sort of a misuse of an outward play of confidence. That's not confident. If you hear someone bragging, we all have been around someone who's trying to name drop. It's just gross, right? Ew. Like we hate that. And we look at them and we don't look at them and admire them. We go, whatever, dude, like totally insecure. Right. So so that's, so there's, there's a lot of differences there. You don't need to be outspoken, but you do need to speak up. If you're looking for performance confidence, anyone can get that. You can train for it. Um, even the most confident people in the world with performance always have issues for their first couple of performances with nerves, you know, pre-show poops. We used to pre-show shits. We used to call them, uh, back when I did sketch comedy, you know, there are some nerves you got to just work through, but these things can be practiced. What's more important is the inner confidence, right? And this ability to draw boundaries and gosh, you know, I could go on, but I'll let you interject at this point because there's so much to say. Yeah, I have so many little notes that I've taken since you've been sharing all of this. I think one thing um, that you kind of just hit on is a lot of the times I think when we perceive somebody as confident, we picture somebody who is speaking much more than somebody who is not. Right. And I love just remembering that sometimes talking is just a reflection of anxiety. Mm-hmm. And somebody who's chatty is just chatting out of nerves. And I really love that refresh and that mindset shift of realizing that the confident person in the room is somebody that sometimes the one that has nothing to say, they're just kind of sitting there at home in their body and taking it in. And I also think a lot about people who are new to starting their job, Mm -hmm. a career expert. And I always recommend take some time to take in the environment. Don't just start contributing fully because you need to get to know the lay of the land and how things work over there. And I think it takes a confident person um, who doesn't feel like they have anything to prove to walk into a new scenario and just collect that information in in silence. So love that. One thing that you'd also talked about with confidence was speaking up, being vulnerable. But one distinction I want to draw, and I'm curious on what you have to say about this is around what's personal versus what's private. I feel like we live in an Instagram world where every now and again, somebody shares something where I'm like, damn, that's so private. (laughs) Okay. With that is your life going to be better because you shared that is your business better because you shared that. So do you have any thoughts on that? Because I think we live in a world where we're airing out like, like one thing that I've noticed has become a new norm. And I've participated in this is like your partner's birthday and you post a whole thing about their birthday or somebody passes away and you share all these intimate thoughts about your relationship with them. It almost seems like social media has become a place where people are processing their life and there's some sort of catharsis that people are experiencing me being one of them processing their life in public, sharing it. And as somebody who wrote my book, I feel like there's a lot of healing and sharing everything I'd been going through or thinking 
in that way. But what, what insight do you have on personal versus private? Well, it kind of goes to one of the things I talk in my book about choosing your battles wisely because not, it's not always appropriate to speak up. Being confident doesn't mean speaking up in the face of someone about to punch you. Maybe that's not the time. Maybe you just shut up and walk away. I'd rather have my ego punched than my face, right? So, but same goes for public versus private. You know, before you share something very vulnerable, I mean, ask yourself, like, is this contributing to my audience and the, in the, and the image and the brand that I'm portraying or not? Or is this something I share privately with a coach? You know, do I work this out privately? Also, too, sometimes you just need to sit on that for a while. If there's something super vulnerable you want to share, maybe that's, you know, you got to take a few minutes. Again, it's that be careful on the scent, right? I think that in our personal lives, when we're developing relationships with people that we really like and we're starting to get intimate, then, you know, that's important. But if you have something you're afraid that's a secret that you think someone might share, then yeah, you know, not everything should be, there are some things that should be left unsaid. Maybe you need to go work it out with a therapist and you do take it to the grave and that's okay, but you need to deal with it. Do you know what I mean? So absolutely take care of it in whatever way, coach, therapist, et cetera, that you need to. And then, you know, uh, feel it out. And if it feels right, share it. If it feels super vulnerable, maybe you check it against some friends and go, I've, I've written posts where I've sent it to a friend and be like, Hey, is this, uh, this kind of shitty or like, oh, should I do this? Yeah. like, I just need someone to kind of put a stamp on this one and tell me it's okay. Um, and, and not by the way, that's not from, I love that you said that because that's not about being insecure or imposter syndrome. Having that is about responsibility. Do you know what I mean? That's exactly. Be responsible with your brand and everything else. Like for example, I, I work with people all over the world with all sorts of different religions and ideas and everything. So guess what? You're not going to see me post political shit, not doing it. I got a lot of thoughts. I got a lot of freaking thoughts, y'all. You know what I mean? But I'm not a polite, what am I doing now? Just transferring over into that? And possibly turning off people who might not agree with what I agree in politically. You know, like, what am I doing? And I, we've seen this. This has happened recently in this past year because of everything that's happened in the States. There's a few people in my industry who've gone off the rails and have started to tweet and do all their stuff where they were normally, you know, putting out health stuff and positive stuff. Now they're, and now next thing you know, they've lost followers. They've lost people because they are being more divisive by sharing this thing that you want to look at them and go, you lost your whole health business because you decided to put out something so polarizing to your audience when that's not your freaking brand, dude. Yeah. Stick to your stick to your shiz. You know, Mark Sisson, who I've worked for for years, he's very well known. He knows better. You never see anything that he's ever put out there that would let you know how he votes, how he thinks about certain things, right? Because he's staying on brand and he wants to help as many people as possible. I talk with people all over the world that literally have way different viewpoints that I, I'm sure that's why we don't bring these things up. Or if they make a comment in a coaching call, I just don't address it, right? You can gloss over it, agree to it, you know, and move on. So again, you know, it's like, is this on brand? Is this something that, you know, is going to detract from the overall message that I'm trying to put out there? And then if not, then great. Now suddenly you're a political tweeter. Well, then great. Well, but then go that direction, right? Now there are people that do kind of all, right? Comedians comment on everything. There's lots of people that comment on everything, but it'd be a little bit weird if all of a sudden I just start putting out a ton of political posts, right? People be like, what the FL? You know what I mean? And also not really my place. Do I have, do I have a right to say it? Absolutely. I have free speech, but I'm just like, choose, choose your shit wisely, people. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to turn off people to me. Don't you, you want to help everybody in their career, whether they believe, agree with you or not. 
because that's the overall blanket message and brand that you have. And same goes for me. So I, you know, again, I just say tread lightly when it comes to things that can be polarizing. Look, there's so many times where I just want to quick hit a reply to a tweet and just go off. And then I write it out and then delete it. Or, you know, I've thought about posting something and gone back and forth and be like, what am I doing? This just, this is me feeling like I need to vent this, but this is not going to be the right thing to do. You know? I love this. And And it's responsible. I think it's responsible. And also how about being more inclusive? You know, that's what really bothered me about some of the people in my industry who kind of went off the rails and their businesses were just attacked and it was a disaster and they created all sorts of like hateful posts. I mean, you know, I was just like, it was just a clusterfuck. And I, I just, I was so sad about it because I'm like, gosh, some of these people were like over 50 and I'm like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, how did you not know that that wasn't the right thing to do? You know, um, it was sad to see some people's businesses really take a tumble because of that, because of that. Hey, U-Turners, so sorry for the quick interruption, but if you're anything like me working from home, this quarantine has got you craving some structure. And I've gotten so much out of committing to a morning routine. Every single morning that's looked like burning some Palo Santo, sipping some coffee, journaling, and of course, making my protein shake with Organifi's vanilla or chocolate protein powder. I replace one meal a day with this protein powder. I just grab my Vitamix, I put in a scoop of their vanilla protein, frozen organic blueberries, a scoop of sunflower butter, and coconut milk into the blender, and boom! That gets my little candy-addicted five-year-old living inside of me so happy, feeling like she just started her workday with what tastes like a dessert that is somehow healthy. So if you follow me on the gram, you know that even when I try to eat healthy, I tend to have little snacksidents, and that's why I'm so grateful Organifi is now sponsoring the U-Turn podcast. It is so great to have their support. So if you are looking for some consistency and structure in your diet. I cannot recommend their protein powder enough and they just upped our discount with them to 20% off. So just head on over to Organifi.com slash U-Turn. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash Y-O-U-T-U-R-N and don't forget to use the U-Turn code at checkout. Now let's get back to this week's episode. I love that you talk about how sometimes there's an element of narcissism to shyness. Mm -hmm. I also have found that there's an element of narcissism sometimes to being an overgiver, like you're deep down thing so that somebody can give you their love or acceptance back versus just a clean give. Um, and, and I love that you also t- have a section of your book talk to, talking about your victim application has been denied. Yeah. I love talking about victimhood because there's so much of it. I know that I have to constantly take check of my own victim inside. What can you share with us about that? I love this one. So your victim application has been denied was about me. I was at a party and there was a 50 year old woman who was clearly embarrassed about her lot in life. She wasn't successful. She didn't really do any, you know, she just, you could tell, I mean, we didn't care, but she, you could tell the way she was talking. She felt somewhat embarrassed. Like she had to excuse the fact that she wasn't successful or something. And so what she was doing is she was blaming her mother and she kept, and her mother was actually at the party in the backyard. And she was like, you know, if my mother had just been more disciplined and like, you know, pushed me harder in certain directions, you know, like I'd probably be successful now and da 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 and all this kind of stuff. And I said to her, I said, well, hold on, let me ask you a question. You're 50. 
I said, what, how old were you when you actually realized that maybe your mom wasn't the best? You know, when, when, how old were you when you realized, you know what, my mom sucks. She should have pushed me harder. And she goes, I don't know, maybe like I was 30. And I said, oh, great. So you've had 20 fucking years and you're still blaming your mom. Parent yourself. Mm-hmm. Sounds really harsh, like, guys. Sounds no, harsh, but, but it's, it's true. Like, it was like that came from them, but now it's yours. Now it's you. you. And also, also so, so you're letting them win? So now you're letting them win. You're letting their projected whatever's upon you become reality. And you have just let that shitty parent you're ripping on win. Really? Is that what you're going to do? Not, not if I can help it. <laughs> not if I can help it, right? So we see this happen all the time. And that is really the truth. You have to parent yourself. No one cares more about you than you. Not even your own parents, even if they're awesome. And even certain parents and, and family members who love us are going to be what I call downers. You know, the people are going to project a, project a lack of confidence onto you about everything. Oh, I want to be a writer. Uh, good luck with that. That's really tough. That's competitive. Thanks, downer. I want to start a new business. Well, 50% of new businesses fail. I mean, be careful. What? How about I'm on the 50% of this side that succeeds? Like you're going to get these quote reality statistical checks that are a projection of a lack of confidence onto you about a thing. What are you going to do about it? So as I go through my book, I start off with getting rid of parental garbage. Then it's about, you know, uh, the downer effect and getting rid of downers and finding ways that we're downer and that we're not down with other people's confidence, as I call OPC, which I'm totally down with. And how can we encourage that? Because confident people encourage other people. They are not afraid of competition because they don't compete. That's another thing about confident as fuck in my book. Confident people don't compete. They, if when you compete, you lose and people might go, well, that's weird. L. what if I'm in a, like a race, a, a marathon? I mean, I'm competing against other people. Here's the difference. If I'm in a race with other people, which I have been, I wouldn't be like, oh, I'm going to kick Ashley's ass. I can't wait. Oh, she's going to go down. They're going to go down. And then, you know, that kind of train of thought leads to me reveling in your misfortune of your loss. That's one way to compete. The other way is just me being like, I'm going to dominate and fucking kill it and be number one. My it's a very different vibration, right? The second one is me just being my best wanting to win and that my sense of self or winning is not coming from your loss or reveling in your misfortune where the other is kind of ignited by that. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. And I I love that you're also kind of talking about not just victimhood, but being a downer, you know? Yeah. And, and let me talk, let me, I want to give a great example on that. So yeah, I'm going to talk about something because we, I have several examples in my book of the downer effect, but one is one where I was a downer. And I think this is important because I think we've all had a similar thought come up. So many years ago, I was talking with a friend, she's 40 years old. She had no health insurance at all her entire life. Like since she left the house at, you know, after college and I have been raised by my parents to be like, you don't leave the house without insurance. You never know what's going to happen, right? You always have health insurance. And most people in the US have health insurance in case they fall off a cliff type of thing, right? So I'm sitting there because this is my belief system and I'm trying to convince her to get insurance. And I'm like, this is dumb. You don't know what could happen, right? Like you could slit your finger cutting, carving a pumpkin. And the next thing you know, you got an eight grand bill. Like, you don't, da, da, da. And she's like, you know what, Elle? I don't have the same belief system that you do about my health. In fact, I have the opposite and I don't worry about it. And I don't feel like I just have a different belief system. And I was like, oh, you know, I can't really argue with that, but I just kept trying to push her. And she kept being like, you know, I just, I'm, I don't, I don't feel, I'm not worried about it. I'm not scared. And I was like, oh my God, we get off the phone and I'm aggravated, right? Because I think she's dumb for doing, for not doing it. And I say to myself, like my thought was, no, watch something will happen. She'll see. Mm. Oh my God. Let's unpack that. Number one, 
for me to be right, my friend has to have a health problem. Do I want that? Fucking no. Secondly, it has to be so bad that she gets financially screwed so that my point about insurance is made. How do you know when you're a downer? Usually you're in a state of feeling like you're going to be right. I was pissed off after I got off that call. I was like, she's so stupid. Oh my God, how dumb, right? This was like my vibe. That's usually the vibe where you got to check yourself and go, hold on a minute. Because what you're doing in that moment is you are actually wishing for someone else's failure. That's also what jealousy is. When you're jealous of someone, confident people are not jealous. When you're jealous of someone, you are kind of secretly hoping that they fail at the thing that you're jealous of them for. That is going to backfire on your ass for the rest of your life. You have got to get rid of that. If you're a jealous person or you're hanging around with jealous people, you need to get rid of those people and you need to stop being jealous. You need to work on that. Okay. So, so that's sort of my bit on that. And we all have had a thought like that, like watch, you know, or, or if you're like, oh, you know what, I'm going to, uh, quit my job from the Pentagon and go become a career coach. I'm sure there's a lot of people that you may not have even seen or heard that rolled their eyes and was like, good luck with that. When you, when you have that vibe and you're thinking, good luck with that, you're hoping the person fails. F you, stop it knock it off. It's only, it's only hurting you. It's only hurting you. And that's why confident people don't compete because we're not afraid. Like if you came to me and we're like, Hey, I want to do a podcast or become a writer. I'd be like, great. I wouldn't be like, Oh no. What if she becomes more successful than me? What if she, no, because I know there's not a lack of abundance. Confident people know that confident people are encouraging and helpful. Okay. Encourage, foster, and celebrate the success of others. Do you know what I mean? Some, some more qualities. They're dependable, you know, usually on time. They're comfortable with failures and mistakes. They approach challenging situations as something to be conquered and mastered, not something to be feared, you know, or avoided. Um, they are constantly learning. You know, they're, they're compassionate and loving towards people. They're nice. Confident people are nice, not dickhead bullies at the office who are barreling over you. It may seem like confidence because they are coming at you with a dominant personality, but that's still not confidence. Do you know what I'm saying? So we, confident people don't feel like they need to prove themselves to anyone, you know, and that's why I really talk about this because you got to help and women really need, this is, women need to get pro women, you know, too much of these Beverly housewife shows with everyone, you know, canceling and, you know, each other and, you know, all this strife and drama and a lot of it's manufactured this is not how it should be. We need to help other women succeed and be pro women. And so if you're not one of them or you're hanging out with those type of bees, you need to rethink your tribe. Mm, mm. I love, I love everything you're sharing because it's just so honest. And I think sometimes when we tiptoe or soften this topic, like it's harder to hear it. Um, I know you also have a section on religious beliefs and, you know, how people kind of can use that faith to help them with confidence. Can you kind of unpack that for us? Cause I think that that can be an interesting direction that we can go. Yeah. So this is interesting. I, I'm not religious. I'm very spiritual, but I know that a lot of people are, and I've met a lot of people who aren't confident, but are claiming to be very faithful and religious and go to church every week and all that kind of stuff. And I would say this, I would be like, so True faith is having a sense of confidence connected to you, feeling accepted by God, right? Okay. And that your future is secure because God is watching over you. That's really what faith in a God is, no matter what the God is. But it's really illogical to declare faith in a God, but have no confidence in yourself because that means you don't actually have faith in God. (laughs) So if you declare faith in a God, then it must follow based on what every religion teaches about their God, that you should have faith in yourself, faith in your ability to learn, to change, to grow, to be happy. Because remember, 
God loves you even when you screw up, right? You can always ask for forgiveness. You can always do better. So use God in your religion to the advantage that it inherently offers you. So a lot of people, again, are just pontificating or have lost their way with faith and they're showing up to church, whether because they need to be seen by the community, because as a community they're part of, da, da, da. We look, we know, look, you and I both know there's a lot of people that like beat their wives and go to church, right? There's a lot of hypocritical crap out there and no matter what religion it is. So there's always going to be some of that. But at the end of the day, you don't want to be one of those people. And if you're having and struggling with confidence, then go talk to your priest, your rabbi, go dip into the scripture, right? Because this is really what God, God's sitting there with faith in you, and yet you are kind of giving God the middle finger by not being confident. Now, the other thing too is that there are some people that are taught like, oh, well, you know, you got to be humble. Be, be. Humility is, I kind of don't believe in it. It's not that you should be braggadocious, but it's a really interesting, it's kind of this I don't know. It's this false sense of something um, because you can't be humble and succeed in life. You are going to have to say something good about yourself to get a job, right? They're going to ask you, what are your top five? What are you great at? What are you going to sit there and go, well, I don't know. You know, I'm not really good at a lot, but that's being humble. No, that's, you just talked yourself out of the job. I used to hire people for a living, by the way. I was a recruiter. I hired over, you know, hundreds of people for uh, contracts at Fortune 500 companies all over California employers would rather hire a confident person than a person who's skilled in the thing. Ashley, this is just true. Because when we're hiring people, we see, we know what confident people are. They're proactive. They're usually on it. They rise above They're you know, they're, they're kind of doing more. They're always on time. Usually they speak up, um, versus someone who might be skilled in it, but show less confidence. So again, this is really a skill to attain even for job interviews and approaching careers. I also was just thinking about, you know, having worked with so many women on their career, one area that I hear a lot about, obviously, is salary negotiation and how men ask and women, you know, it's interesting because I see the numbers about how women aren't being paid the same as men for the same job. And I do believe in those numbers. And yet, I also think that there's sometimes a lack of responsibility in the community of women to not own the fact that we are not even asking. So it, it, it's a bummer that we're getting paid less than men. We have to take charge of it. The whole world has to take charge of it. And yet women simply aren't asking to get paid. They're not negotiating in, in the same at the same level that men are. Do you have any message for women who are listening around that? Oh my gosh, so much. So um, well, maybe not so much, but here's the thing. This is what I've noticed over the years because people would come to me to before they went to the boss to ask for raises at at, our, at, our, at the company that I work for that sponsors the Primal Blueprint podcast. And it's so funny. So over all the, the years and kind of knowing how much certain people were paid, it was always the people that went in and declared it, like, I cannot make less than this, that got it. It was always the people though that came in and were like, well, somewhere between here and here, or, you know, I don't know, what were you thinking? Nope, that's not going to work. That's not confidence. You got to go in there and just be like, this is what I need. This what this is. I'm not going to take less than this, right? Mm-hmm. You have to have that figured out before you go in there, and also the you know the ramifications of um, negotiating. Like for example, you know, let's say, like great, maybe you want seventy thousand. They're going to offer you sixty five, but then are you going to counter with an extra week of vacation, or do you know what I mean? Like, are you going to? There's some other way to structure it. So be prepared before you go in for all the scenarios in case you know they shoot you down five grand on the thing or or etc. That you might be able to nego- say you really still want the job. You might be able to negotiate other things. I mean, everything is negotiable. That is yeah. really true. But you have to go. It's always the people that go in and declare it with confidence 
that get it. And again, that's, listen, con men, confidence men, they misuse confidence, right? They appear confident about a thing to trick you to get your money or whatever they're going to con you out of, right? And, you know, listen, it, they, that has its own pitfalls, right? They're, you know, they're living in this secret world. It's going to destroy some other part of their psyche in their world, right? It's a bad juju. It's bad, you know, it's going to backfire on them someday. They usually get caught, right? But what it is, is it's kind of that, right? I mean, they go in and they're just declaring themselves of who they are and you believe them. And that goes the same for sort of anything. In fact, it's very funny because, I mean, I already, I, I don't consider myself, I don't have imposter syndrome. I don't understand that. I mean, I understand it, I guess, when people describe it, but I don't feel it myself. Uh, but I had another New York Times bestselling health author ask me, Oh, how did you get a published? Like, how do you get people to see you as someone who talks about self-help and empowerment and confidence when you came from this world? I go, I don't wait for anybody's fucking permission. That's my answer. Why are you waiting? Yeah. Powerful. And on that note as well, you know, you talk a lot about asking and, you know, getting clear. And what that makes me think about is boundaries. And I know that a confident person can set boundaries. I was just thinking the other day about how I've probably coached over, I don't know, 300 women over the year and maybe some cool and developed men too. And I was thinking about how every now and again, maybe, you know, like 5% of the clients that I've coached privately, I think to myself, oh, I'm not a fit for them. And one practice that I've had in my business on that rare occasion is to just refund them and say, hey, I'm realizing that we're not a fit let me refer you to somebody that is. And I, looking back on that, usually, um, usually it's very flowy where people are like, Oh, thank you so much. And thanks for your time. And I'll go contact this person every now and again. There's somebody that's like, why do you want to refund me? Why don't you want to work with me? What is it about me? And they make it really personal. And for me to sit in the boundary. <laughs> yeah. But for me to like sit in that boundary and be like, Hey, I'm not, I'm not able to work with you. And here's a resource. Um, it's, 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 it's taking care of myself and the other person. I'm curious, what what do you think it is about people who are afraid to set those boundaries? Do you think that has to do with shame or just a lack of confidence in general? I would love to hear your take on boundaries. (sighs) You know, yeah, there's so much here. I mean, I've gotten really good at it. Let me give a good example. I have a friend who loves going to concerts. She's always at concerts, like it's just a lot. I'm not a concert person. I mean, it's not that I don't enjoy one every now and then, but I'm not like into it. You know what I mean? And she knows this about me because for years she'd ask me to go to stuff. I'd be like, nope. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and, uh, but she's my, she's one of my greatest friends. And she called me up one day and she goes, look, I know this is not your thing, but I kind of need a wing woman for this concert I'm going to. There's this person that's going to be there, blah, blah, blah. I feel more comfortable. Would you mind? Yes. Oh Yeah. I'm going to do, yeah, because see, I want to do that, right? I'm not doing something I don't want to do, which is go to concerts, but I am in that scenario because it's the right, you know, so there's a little bit, sometimes there's a distinction there. And then the other thing too is if you don't, okay, it's always the people that don't draw boundaries that are then complaining about the outcome of that. And then I would say to them, you can come to me about two more times with this and then you can't because you got to do something meaningful about it because this is you pissing on you. You, you. I mean, so many people get roped. Look, we all know what it's like. We've all been there. We've been talked into something by a salesperson and bought something. We've all we've all had this experience in life. It doesn't feel good, does it? It feels gross afterwards and you feel chumped. It sucks. So you keep chumping yourself every time you don't draw boundaries. And by the way, confident people are most admired, respected because they are authentic and authenticity reigns supreme. So if you want to be admired and respected, you 
draw boundaries because people know you're not doing something unless you want to do it. People know that when you say something, you mean it. That is so much more important to me. That gets into an arena of people pleasing. And people pleasers are liars. Let me just say this. People are like, okay, so when someone says, and I talk about this in my book, and a great book on this is called No More Mr. Nice Guy, even though it's also, you can read it as a woman too by Dr. Robert Glover. And the thing about people pleasers is someone will say, so let's say, you know, your friend Jim, and you're like, oh, poor Jim, you know, he, he never gets the hours at work he wants. He's been there 10 years, blah, blah, or this, that, that, and the other. And people go, oh, the problem with Jim, he's just too nice. No, Jim is not too nice. Jim's a people pleaser. And what does that mean? You're a freaking liar because you're going around in this world and you are being dishonest and acquiescing to other people's likes because you are too afraid of what they might think of you or whether they will like you or reject you. And what does that create? Oh God, a whole spiral of passive aggressive behavior, covert contracts, all these kind of things that create so many problems in relationships. One of my best attributes is that I do tell people the truth. Now, this doesn't mean that I speak up at every turn. If I'm at your house, Ashley, for Thanksgiving and your mom says, oh, do you love the new sweater I got? And I think it's ugly. I'm going to tell her it's great. Like, you know, come on, right? Like there's times where... You don't I might be like, I don't know. <laughs> well, here's the thing. You might be, but it's but it's like, if it's me, if it's my mother, I'll tell her, right? But it's like, I mean, you know, my gosh, I'm not going to sit there and disagree with your sweet grandma or something. Like, you just let it go and be like, oh, that's cute. Yeah, no, it's not, that looks good on you. You know, just like, let it go. Like, sometimes there are times where you don't always have to tell the truth because it really might hurt someone's feelings. But for my, for my close friends and stuff like that, absolutely, they'll come to me and they'll say, they actually open it with, I got to ask you something because I know you're going to tell me the truth. Yeah. What a compliment. What a compliment. Um, I think we all should strive to be that way because, again, people trust you. That's why confident people, here's the thing, we're drawn to and attracted to people who showcase confidence because we intuitively perceive that these people can approach any opportunity with assurance. We trust their trust in themselves. So confident people not only appear to be true to themselves, but they also enjoy their, their, and themselves in their own company. You know, confident people make other people feel worthy because we feel worthy right? Because confident people feel free and unbound to be themselves, trust their own judgment. We're proud of their care. You know, we're proud of our character and integrity. And this is critical to every aspect of your life because when you approve of and love who you are in this world, you can swiftly and peacefully move towards success with courage, enthusiasm, like clarity. You know what I mean? And as you gain more confidence and ref or refine the confidence you have, like I had to, you just become stronger you know what I'm saying? And so I would ask people, like, there's a lot of people out there when they feel uncomfortable, when a confident as fuck person declares their pride in themselves or touts their abilities, it's because you see it as a boastful thing or a lack of humility. And it's likely that you actually have issues with your own self-esteem and confidence. So I would check yourself if you're out there and it, it bothers you. Because when I see other people like, I just kicked ass today, da, 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 I'm like, run on girl, go get it. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't look at it like, I don't know, that's a little that's a sign that you might be lacking in self-esteem and confidence. Oh, what a perfect place to end it. I would love to tell everybody where they could find you, follow you, keep learning from you. I know you have your two podcasts, your two books. Um, where's the best place for people to go? You know, lrust.com has everything you know, um, everything you need from the podcast. Uh, Primal Blueprint is every Monday where I interview someone in the mind, body, health space field. And then every Wednesday is Kick-Ass Life podcast with my partner, Tara Garrison. Um, and she's just a, a colleague of mine. And we just talk about everything from, you know, how to deal with difficult people to law of attraction and manifesting and just fun stuff to help you create a more kick-ass life. Um, but lrust is the best place to go. And then just a side note on thyroid. If you heard any of this and you have a thyroid issue, 
or you're on thyroid hormone and you're still not doing well, I have a free thyroid guide on my website. And it tells you every test you need to get, how to suss out doctors, where to go to try to find a good doctor in your state or country, lots of free information. You don't need to buy my book to, you know, I spent thousands of dollars with all these dumb doctors for years. So I just made a quick shortcut here to get you on the right path. So that's always there too. Oh, what a great set of resources. Thanks again for being here. You are just such a good time. And I just love listening to you talk. I could really sit here for a while. <laughs> Thank you so much. You as well. And uh, I just appreciate, you know, everything that you're doing for people in their careers. And it's such an important, uh, such an important uh, mission that you're on. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of the U-Turn Podcast. In the meantime, if you heard about any resource that you're interested in from one of our guests, you can find it listed in our show notes on the podcast tab of my website, ashleystahl.com. That's A-S-H-L-E-Y-S-T-A-H-L.com. On that page, you'll also see our free quiz to help you discover what career path you're actually meant for. And of course, we cannot thank you enough for written podcast reviews. I read every single one. I get so motivated from reading your words and it just means the world to me that you take a moment if you have an Apple device and you write an actual review for me. Thank you so much for doing that. Appreciate you being here and cannot wait to connect with you next week. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox or wherever you listen to your podcasts.